We are still continuing this series that we started some time ago called The Church, which is His Body. We're majoring on the fact that the Lord Jesus came to earth and spent three and a half years beginning a mission. Luke wrote to Theophilus in Acts 1.1, he said, The first letter I wrote of all the things that Jesus began to do and teach. Jesus began a work on the earth. He ascended back to heaven, assumed a position at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us and assuming his position as the head of the church, the church which is his body. We, the community of God, are his body in the earth, doing the mission and the work that he began. And he's completing that mission through his people. I don't, obviously, I don't just mean this church. And when I say the church, which is his body, I'm not talking about an organization. I'm not talking about a group. I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about an organism that includes all of those worldwide who have had a radical, life-changing experience with Jesus Christ, wherein he became part of us. We are in union with Christ when he does a work in our heart. So then we become part of this universal church. We do, we do have local expressions of his church, and one local expression of his church in the earth is Abundant Life Church. There are many others, and there are many other good churches. I recommend people going to other churches all the time. Not that I'm trying to get rid of them, but anyway. So we've been covering these gifts that Jesus said, I'm going back, so I'm going to give gifts to people that that you can function in the earth and you can communicate who I am. And when the spiritual gifts are functioning in the earth, what we are doing is we're, we're communicating who God is. And I said last week that the spiritual gifts are the Holy Spirit manifesting himself. It's not just the Holy Spirit doing something, but it's God's Holy Spirit. This is 1 Corinthians 12. God's Holy Spirit manifesting himself. Now, these some gifts seem supernatural, some don't. But we've been covering what I have named gifts from the Father that are different. Gifts from the Father that are different today. Well, let me just back up. We have covered thus far in this section. We covered the leadership gifts, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. And now we've been covering these gifts. We've covered the gift of exhortation, the gift of serving. And last week we covered the gift of giving. I know you're, you're sorry you missed that one. Uh, <laughs> anyway, it's available on CD and podcast. But anyway, today we're going to cover the gift of leadership. Now, if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 12, and we're going to begin reading in verse 4. And if you would stand with me while we read the Word of God in honor of the sacredness of the Word of God. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual, individually members one of another. Now, take note of what we are members of. We're not members of a club. Again, as I repeat myself, we're not members of an organization, although we are. You have to be a 501c3 so you can get tax deduction. 
but we're individually members one of another. It's about people. I, I know you're standing, but just hang on there. I was reading Leviticus one time, and I said, Lord, why do you put all these genealogies in here? And so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, and so I'm going. You know, a lot of people wonder why Leviticus is in the Bible. Go ahead. You know you do. <laughs> and I felt like the Lord said to me when I was asking him this question, why do you have all this begat, begat, begat? So I want you to understand this thing is about people. It's not about a group. It's not about a church. It's about people. So-and-so begat people, which begat people. It's all about people. Everybody say people. people. All right, we'll continue. I think. Verse 6. Having gifts. Everybody say gifts. gifts. So we're talking about gifts. That differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. Some versions will say, let us exercise them. Uh, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes, we covered this last week, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You can be seated. The context of the spiritual gifts. And today, as I said, we're covering what Paul identifies in this letter to the church at Rome, what Paul identifies as a spiritual gift called the gift of leadership. Leadership is an inherent necessity in any society of people. It's, it's, just, it's just something we have to have. And that's because there's a principle that God has established wherein that those who are gifted to lead, there are those who are gifted to lead so we don't have anarchy and confusion. Think about what it would be like without leadership, without some one or some group of people setting the, the tone, setting the course. Well, I can tell you what it looks like. It's the very last verse in the book of Judges. I don't have a, a slide for this, but just listen. Judges twenty one twenty five. In those days, there was no king in Israel. There was no leadership. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, to some people, that may sound like a good thing. But I can tell you that when everyone begins to do what is right in our own eyes, we've got a problem. We have anarchy and we have confusion. So we are instructed all through Scripture. I'm not, I'm not dealing with the verses today. I'm not dealing with our following leaders today. I want to deal with the gift of leaders, the gift of leadership, and what that looks like. But we're instructed all through the Scripture to follow the examples of our leaders. Paul wrote, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Someone in Hebrews wrote, remember your leaders, obey your leaders, a word we don't like to say in Western culture. Uh, thus, this gives us an opportunity to walk in humility. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Have you ever learned anything from a locust? We learn from the lesson of the locust what God's army looks like when they're orderly and coordinated. You probably never studied the locust before. Joel 2, and it'll be on the screen. You don't have to turn. Joel 2 says they run like mighty men. They climb the wall like soldiers. Can you see that? Oh, yeah, okay. That one back there is kind of dim. And they each march in line. Pay attention to that. 
nor do they deviate from their paths. They do not crowd each other. They march everyone in his path. When they burst through the defenses, they do not break ranks. They rush on the city. We used to sing this. They rush on the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. In verse 11 of that, God refers to this army of locusts as his army. He calls them his army. And I'm not promoting the gospel of locusts today. (laughs) I'm saying that when God calls it his army, he's saying to us there's something about what's going on here that we need to pay attention to. And orderliness is what God's after when he talks about leadership. Godly leadership produces order. Godly leadership produces order. It does not produce confusion. It does not produce anarchy and so forth and so on. The word lead is a word that just means to stand before someone or to be the protector or guardian. You could use the word shepherd there in the church. And to give attention and aid is someone that is giving their life and their attention to someone else on behalf of our Lord. Now, there are many arenas of leadership, and I would say that just about everybody, under the sound of my voice, is some kind of a leader, and I'll deal with that before I'm done. But the question that we have to ask is, who is a leader? Well, before I answer that question, I want to insert this. A true leader is not looking for more followers. But a true leader is looking for future leaders. A true leader is not just looking for someone that they can say, look at all those people following. By the way, sometimes when you're a leader, it's hard to distinguish whether they're following you or chasing you. But a true leader wants to take the people that is under their care and under their watchfulness and, and cause them to be propelled into some place of leadership themselves, not just to be our you know, followers. I'll I'll leave that alone. So what are the qualities of a leader? What are the qualities of a true leader? Well, clearly the first quality that the scripture identifies is diligence. A leader is someone who's diligent. Uh, A leader, uh, diligence is an eagerness to do something with intense effort and motivation. It's, It's having a purpose. It's having intent. And it's having holy content. It's wanting to see something work and see something happen. Not in our, in, in our own lives as leaders, but in the people to whom God has given us care. Diligence is an earnestness to accomplish the task. It's an earnestness to prepare and present the task. It's, a true leader is going to be interested in seeing the accomplishment of what God, what Jesus began when he left to go to heaven. There's no room for laziness in leadership. The truth is there's no room for laziness in any part of our lives, but today we're talking about the gift of leadership, those who are gifted to lead. There's no room for laziness. And... Well, anyway, Proverbs 13, 4, I don't think I have a slide for this one. The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing. 
lazy person just says, man, I wish I had that. Boy, I wish I could go there. Boy, I wish I could go. All these wishes, but they're lazy. They don't get up off the mat. It continues to say the soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. Those who are diligent find the reward. It's not talking about just money either. So diligence of a leader is primarily an attitude that leads to action. You, you really can't call yourself a leader if you're just laying around like a lazy person waiting for everybody else to do stuff and you're not doing anything and you're not trying to accomplish anything and you don't have a vision of what's, you know, where we're going. That's, that's not a leader. Um, second quality of a leader is willingness to serve. Willingness to be a servant. We, I'm not going to cover a lot here because two Sundays ago I covered the gift of serving. But a a true leader doesn't see their role as a who or who a true leader who doesn't see their role as a servant isn't a leader at all, and must be avoided. If you're in a place of leadership, whatever it may be, you must, especially in the church, you must see your role as a leader as one who serves. Remember the words of Jesus when he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. There is a, there is a way that some parts of the culture will exercise authority over someone. Can I tell you that you, that the only authority that anyone has in my life is what I give them? No one can come to me or come to you and say, okay, starting now, I'm going to exercise authority over your life, and you're going to do what I say. You, you remember the story. I know you all remember the story about the, the man who came home from the seminar. And he told his wife, he said, i just been to the seminar about marriage, and here's how it's going to be. I'm the head of the house. I'm the boss. From now on, everything around here is going to be the way I say it. And I don't want to get any lip out of you. This is the way it's going to be. Well, he didn't see her for a couple of weeks. Uh, and, and then he could see her just a little bit out of one eye. <laughs> Somebody misunderstood the teaching. And the misapplication of authority. And it's not lording it over someone, but it's being a servant to someone. And as a leader, whatever place you function as a leader, dad, mom, business person, I'll come back to that. See yourself as one who serves. It says the son of man did not come to be served. Isn't that odd? We, I, I covered this two weeks ago. It just it always strikes me as odd that the Son of Man did not come to be served. He's God, by the way, but he came to serve. So being a servant is obviously one of the characteristics of a leader. And, of course, thirdly is humility. Humility. 
I want to tell you that power and influence can be intoxicating. You watch people who become leaders or assume a place of leadership, and sometimes they start out really well, but somewhere along the way they start drinking the the, the Kool-Aid. Somewhere along the way they begin reading their own press and believing it, and it becomes intoxicating. And the power of leadership, I'll tell you what else it is. It is scary. It's scary to think about God would put someone in your care or a bunch of someones. And uh, Hebrews 13, I quoted earlier, says, Obey your leaders for when they appear before God, if they have to give a bad report, that's not good for you. Well, it's not good for us either. If I got to stand before God and say, well, I don't know what's going on right here. And God said, well, aren't you the leader? Aren't you the one setting the, anyway, I better get off of that before I get depressed. (laughs) True humility doesn't allow a leader to insert themselves or their own agenda into their leadership. But it does, as John the Baptist said, it does enable us to decrease while Jesus increases. It's the laying down of our lives. Micah 6, 8 says, The Lord has shown you what he's requiring of you. What does the Lord require of you? He's shown you. And that's to, to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To walk in a relationship of humility, which simply says that I say to Jesus, I submit my life to you. I lay my life down at your feet. And now I want to do what you want me to do. And now I'm going to follow you. Jesus said, so if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. That doesn't mean deny that you exist. It doesn't mean deny your worth. It means that you deny yourself in that you decrease so that Jesus can increase, just like John the Baptist said. And a leader who does not operate in humility, they're going to go completely the other way. So, it says, Jesus, being found in appearance as a man, humbled himself by becoming obedient. He humbled himself. Here, again, this is God, capital G, God, who came, became a human being, and humbled himself. I heard Derek Prince say one time that God, God can humiliate you, but he won't humble you. You have to humble yourself. You have to make that choice. So beware, listen, saints, beware of being a leader or following a leader who unduly draws attention to themselves. You've seen them. You may have followed them, but you've seen them. Leaders in, in any variety of life, you've seen leaders who spend most of their time drawing attention to themselves drawing attention to their personality. We've, we've tried the 18 years that I've been the pastor here, we've, we've endeavored to make sure that this is not a personality-driven church. I don't have much personality, so that's been pretty easy. <laughs> but when we start drawing attention to ourselves, guess who we're not drawing t- attention to? That's the king. That's the head 
of the church. So humility. Another characteristic is care and concern for those being led. Um, you know, sometimes I hear things and sometimes I, I see things and I say, Lord, does that person even care about those folks? And I say, Lord, make, make sure I care. Make sure that I care for the people that you've put uh, under my care, so to speak. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, Or do you need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, 2 Corinthians 3. You are our letter of recommendation or epistle. Somebody said the epistles are the wives of the apostles. I don't know if I did. You yourselves are a letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, talking to the church, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human heart. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God. There has to be a care. Uh, as a matter of fact, when Paul is speaking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, he tells them this, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Pay attention and pay careful attention that you care for the church of God. And he reminds them, which he, so everybody say he, he. Jesus Christ, he obtained with his own blood. It's his church. It's not our church. It's not my church. It's not the elders church. It's his church. This church and the church universal is the church of Jesus Christ. And as leaders, we must remember that the people who are under our care belong first to God before they ever belong to us. It has to be a care. Another, another characteristic of a godly leader is that is one who is unselfish. One who is unselfish because self-centeredness always has as its object of affection the wrong object. I started to pull up some scriptures, but the Old Testament is full of God um, speaking to the leaders, the shepherds of Israel of that day, the prophets, the priests. And one of the main themes that he would he would say to them is, you spend more time trying to build your own nest, you, you spend more time trying to promote yourself and do things for yourself than you do for them. And um, Jeremiah 23 says, I'm going to get rid of those guys, and I'm going to give you some shepherds who really care for you. I'm going to give you some leaders who really look over you that are not selfish. The Bible talks a lot about selfish ambition. Selfish ambition is a desire to put oneself forward. Selfish ambition has no room for others, much less genuine humility. And it's easy if you don't, if you're a person's not careful. By the way, one of the solutions for this, especially in the church, is, and you know, you heard me say recently, probably, I believe every pastor should have a pastor. Some people disagree with me. That's okay. You can be wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Or at least some place of accountability. Someone to speak in to their lives. I can give you Brother Charles Simpson's phone number. 
uh, or not. Just kidding. Some, if a person is willing to be accountable to someone or some group of someone's, in my case, it's Charles Simpson, then the, the, the tendency that you might have to be selfish or to, to draw things to yourself or especially the propensity that human beings have for going their own way and finding their own doctrines, it's not as great. Because you know, well, I can't, I mean, anyway. The preceptaustin.org is a great website. It's a great study site. And it talks about selfish ambition. It said it is that ultimate self-elevation rampant in the world today, which is the antithesis of what the humble, selfless, giving, loving, and obedient child of God is called to be. Did I have a slide for that? He said, no. Okay. I'll read it again. It is that ultimate self-elevation rampant in the world today, which is the antithesis of what the humble, selfless, giving, loving, and obedient child of God is called to be in Christ and only the only possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't be selfish and be a leader. You really shouldn't be selfish at all. Jesus, as I read earlier, demonstrated the epitome of selflessness when he came to earth as a human being. Think about it. You're God. You're in heaven. The Bible says in Galatians, I think, when the time had fully come, Jesus was born. People wonder, when was Jesus born? They debate December, April, what parts of the year. I can tell you exactly when Jesus was born. To the day, to the minute. And he was born exactly when God said so. <laughs> he was born exactly when the Father determined for him to be born. And at some, I don't know how this goes. If you're sitting around heaven one day and God looks over at the sun and says, Hey, it's time, son. My brain cannot process what happens next. How the Son of God, part of the, of the Trinity... How the Son of God winds up in the womb of Mary via the Holy Spirit and is born a helpless baby who does everything we do. And I'm not going to get into details. Let's just say they had no pampers in that day. Came as a human being, humbled himself. Became an appearance like a person, like a human being. And became obedient. And that verse continues by saying he was obedient to the cross. What greater example of selflessness do we see than in our Lord Jesus? Philippians chapter 2. And finally, the quality we need most in leaders is that of integrity. Integrity. Psalm 24 says it this way. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, and who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. There is a matter of integrity. Remember this, that integrity comes from a word that is a integrate. Integrity is our ability to integrate with God. That's what this verse is talking about, integrating with God.
And when we can't integrate with God, there's, there's a problem with one of the parties when we can't integrate with God. But guess who the problem's going to be with? I mean, God is, God is not changing. He said, I, the Lord, do not change, and therefore you're not consumed. That's one of the greatest promises in the Bible. Because God doesn't change, we don't get zapped. But if we have a problem integrating with God, and unrighteousness will cause that, corruption will cause that, self-centeredness, I mean, I go you through the list, I don't want to depress you, but when we can integrate with God, then there's pure hands, there's clean heart, there's not giving ourselves to falsehood and so forth and so on. A leader, a gifted leader, must walk in integrity with God. Must swear to their own hurt. A true leader. Jesus said it's the pure in heart that will see God. He didn't mean Literally right then, but when you are, when you give your heart to the Lord Jesus, by the way, when we, when we come to salvation, when we're born again, we give him a lot more than our heart. You heard people say, he gave his heart to Jesus. Well, I hope he gave the rest of him to Jesus too. The whole body, the whole soul, the whole spirit to God. But he says the pure in heart will see God. What are the pure in heart? Those of us who are our spirits, our hearts, our wills have not been tainted by corruption. This is why sin is such an important thing for us to deal with. I know you're not supposed to say that in church these days, but around here we do. Uh, so don't get anyway. Sin. It's not that I wish you. You know, or I'm embarrassed that you sin, or it's not that. Whoa, you. Sin is you have cho- chosen something less than what God has for you. When you choose a lifestyle, Rob, Rod mentioned a couple. When you choose a lifestyle that is that is different than what God says, you have chosen less than. Everybody say less than. It's not about a matter of condemning or all, any of that stuff. It's about, oh, my goodness, God has something for you. And when you choose something different, it's less than. And all of us, everybody in this room, if you're breathing, and i got a suspicion that you are, I know some of you might take a nap, but you're still breathing. We have all, at times, chosen less than what God has for us. And then you know what happens? Mercy. God's mercy brings us back. I just want to finish by giving you, and I can't spend a lot of time here, hardly any, but I'll give you more qualities of a leader that are seen in Nehemiah. If you want to read the book of Nehemiah, at some point you will find these these uh, qualities: uh, compassionate, goal-oriented, full of faith, leading by example, knows when to delegate, good prayer life, courageous, works well under pressure, diplomatic, not easily discouraged. A good planner, pays attention to details and timing, is discerning, knows when to wait and when to act, and recognizes the ability in others and utilizes it. Before I go on, I just want to say to that last one, 
One of the keys of being a real leader is being able to recognize what another person has and what they're capable of and helping them get there. I, I can't spend time there. Uh, these notes are available on your app, version app, if you got it today. So some other qualities of a leader as seen in the Lord Jesus. Again, here we go. Personally involved with those who are led. I, I had a guy tell me when I first started pastoring, he said, now, you, you don't want to get too close to the people. He said, you just need to preach to them and, and uh, you receive their offerings. And uh, as a matter of fact, he told me, he said, anyway, I won't get into that. But he said, you just need to keep your distance and, and keep a healthy distance between you and them and don't let them get too close to you. And I'm going, hey, what Jesus did. I mean, Jesus, he went right up, as Roddy said, he went right in the middle of them. I've told this story so many times, but I'm in a, I'm in a uh, honky-tonk. Who are the pastors in the honky-tonk? Dothan, Alabama with Andy Griggs. And we've been there all day and, and uh, lay, you know, get all their equipment set up and, and uh, places packed. I mean, just teeming with people. I don't know how many there were. And uh, it's a club down in that area that has a lot of the country acts come through there. And so when Andy's on the stage, we've done all kinds of stuff all day. We've eaten lunch and stuff. The manager of the place comes and stands right beside me. And he says, you know, I've been watching all day long, and I've kind of figured out what everybody does except you. <laughs> I know he's the sound guy. I know he's the road manager, and he's the drummer, and the but I hadn't figured out what you do yet. I said, well, back in Nashville, I'm Andy Griggs' pastor. He stood there for a minute. I'm standing over here. He never looked at me or anything. He said, well, welcome to the den of sin. <laughs> but what I told him was, I said, let me tell you something. I said, if Jesus was here today, He'd be right out there in the middle of those folks. Right in the middle of them. Now, he wouldn't be doing what they're doing. And he wouldn't be thinking what they're thinking. And he wouldn't be planning what they're planning. But the Bible says Jesus was a friend of sinners. I didn't say he was friendly to them. He said he, he was their friend. And I said he'd be right in the middle of them, but he'd be bringing something to them that would help them personally involved uh be specific when giving instructions not everyone can see the big picture go to town and you'll find a donkey and tell the owner of that donkey that i need it the master needs your donkey now imagine you're the guy who owns the donkey and these two guys come walking up that you have no, have no clue who they are and they say hey by the way our, our master he needs your donkey we're, we're taking him and yet Jesus was very specific. You're going to find him there. He's going to be tied up at there, and you're going to find the owner there, and this is what you're going to say to the owner. It's like when, they, when he told him to go catch a fish and get the coin out of the fish's mouth. He was very clear. I think it might have been Peter and John, and they argued all the way. You, you're going to talk to the guy about the donkey. No, you're going, you're going to. My phone thinks I'm done. Somebody's sitting here saying, I wish you were. I'm almost done. Be specific. Expect opposition, but don't be discouraged by it. 
You see all these features in Jesus, by the way. Speak words of encouragement. I was listening to a guy on the radio last night, or yesterday afternoon, I guess, and it wasn't encouragement. It was, I was kind of, I'm not going to name it, but I was kind of surprised on the radio show that he was on, but it was, it was, uh, it was pretty nasty. There wasn't anything encouraging about it. Anyway, remember that ultimately all authority belongs to God. So we do everything in his name for his glory. A person who has a real gift of leadership will always direct people back to the Lord Jesus. Godly authority will always direct people back to the Father. And so I'll just read this list and I will be done. And this is by Paul Borthwick who wrote a book called Leading the Way. Not to be confused with Michael Youssef. The world needs leaders who cannot be bought, whose word is their promise, who put char- excuse me, character above wealth, who possess opinions and a will, who are larger than their vocations, who do not hesitate to take chances, who will not lose their individuality in a crowd, who will be honest in small things as well as in great things, who will make no compromise with wrong whose ambitions are not confined to their own selfish desires, who will not say they do it because everybody else does it, who are true to their friends through good report and evil report, in adversity as well as in prosperity. I'm not going to name names, but I saw someone one day who was going into a jail, and their friend of theirs had been arrested. I'm not going to talk about it had been arrested. They were in jail. It was a public persona, and so the TV camera was there with the camera in this person's face as they walked into the jail. Well, you're here to see so-and-so. What do you have to say about it? TV camera. I might have just broke the camera. I don't know. This person said to into the camera, I'm just here to see my friend. That's all I got to say about that. And they went in. Sometimes you just have to say, I'm here for my friend. Whether they've done it right or whether they've done it wrong, I'm here for my friend. Who do not believe that shrewdness, cunning, and hard-headedness are the best qualities for winning success. Who are not ashamed or afraid to stand for the truth when it is unpopular. And who can say no with emphasis, although the rest of the world says yes. Godly leaders. I want to tell you that this applies in the business place. It applies in the home. It applies in the church. A lot of you are leaders and you don't even realize it. A lot of you lead people. People look to you for direction. You may not be the manager or an owner of a company. You may not be a pastor or even a Sunday school teacher or any of those things. But you, but whatever position you find yourself in, in most cases, if you've got children, you're, you're certainly a leader. I mean, the list goes on. You understand that. So don't sit, you know, but anyway, the gift of leadership is just that. It's something that God puts in people that enables them to be natural born leaders 
except that even natural-born leaders need to call on the Holy Spirit power. Would you agree with that?